Spoiler alert. Somebody on this show is actually going to say that the Federal Reserve is not finished hiking rates. Yet the chairman came out today and actually gave his, I would say, his least hawkish tone of the tightening cycle, really signaling that the Fed might be done. Welcome, everyone, to Buy, Hold, Sell. I am your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, and it's sunny and hot Scottsdale, Arizona. He still has a sweater vest on, but um, I'm guessing I'm that's I'm freezing out here. God, it's under 80 degrees. I, 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 <laughs> wow, I tell you, New York is uh, getting very cold these days, but we have a very special guest with us today. Barbara Duran, she is the CEO and CIO of BD8 Capital Partners, and she's going to join us today to help us get through all this mess that's taking place on Wall Street. Barbara, welcome to the program. Todd, thank you. Delighted to be here. Well, we're glad you're here as well. And I want to ask you, because maybe you could give the audience just a little bit of an introduction about BD8 Capital Partners. Yeah, Todd, thanks. Yeah, BDA Capital Partners is a wealth advisory firm, and we work with a lot of individuals, families, some foundations in planning their needs, but there, our real strength is in investment management. You know, it's really about trying for the, the best performance possible, just not, you know, trying to not lose money. We want to not lose money and make you money. We also do separate managed accounts in the large cap growth um, se session as well. So it's also an asset management firm. Well, you, you're being very, you're very successful with it, obviously, because you're on all of the news channels. I know that you're coming to us right after an appearance on CNBC, and I think that's fantastic. But they obviously are going to the All-Stars because of the big news of the day, which is the Federal Reserve. This is our third straight day of, of market gains that we've seen, which is a complete reversal of the three-month losses that we had in a row. But it's on the heels of the Federal Reserve saying, look, nothing's happening right now. Yeah, Powell gives a few clues here and there. But what do you think? What's your take on today's news? Yeah, it was interesting because there was a lot of news today. First, you know, there's been a, a real... Um, concern about um, funding of the federal debt. And you've never seen this kind of concern, but it is so expensive and so much. And so it's been really weighing on the market. And you've seen um, long rates back up. And that's really been um, effectively interest rate hikes for the Fed. Yeah. You know, and it was funny because Powell today, when asked about that, refused to quantify. And there's some strategists saying, hey, with the, the backup in long rates, it's been the equivalent of three, maybe four 25 basis point um, rate hikes. So that is, you know, yet to come and be felt in the economy. So today, you know, Chairman Powell was, and as you said, was probably the least talkish. I think Tobin and I were talking earlier that I think I've heard him. And in fact, some would say it was a victory lap where he said, you know, last year we were concerned that we were getting, we weren't going to act quickly enough, get rates high enough to really stem inflation because you don't want to get embedded. Yet we did not want to kill the economy. And right now he's, he basically said, I think right now the balance is good. So they're feeling pretty good about where things are. And of course, he's still saying, yeah, we're not ruling out a future rate hike. But it seems to me very unlikely at this point. You've got, well, even though the economy is strong, you know, and, and Pal said that you still, and he also said, wages are moderating, job growth is moderating. You saw the ISM number, manufacturing number today, surprised everybody. You know, it was negative. People thought it would go the other way. But so you still got a contraction there. And I think there's been a lot of the news recently about um, credit card balances are climbing up, delinquencies are climbing up. You're seeing in auto loans. Now, none of them, none of them are at dangerous levels but the trend is going up. So the consumer, though still, I think, flush with cash and, of course, jobs and wages, and that is most of the, of the ballgame, you know, are starting to feel a little bit stressed. So well, savings uh, are coming down. 
Todd, I, I sort of, you know, I was like, he's having like an after party uh, c- cigarette out there. Um, you know, <laughs> it's accomplished. It, it, yeah, it, I, I guarantee a couple of things, Barb. I guarantee you, number one, that he knew what that Atlanta GDP number was going to be um, that came out. Uh, remember, there was 5.1% growth GDP in, in the second quarter. And then, you know, the third quarter, shockingly, is uh, 1.7%. So they knew that was coming. So he had that in his back pocket. He had certainly the fact that earnings are, you know, not robust, but they're not going south. Uh, and then, and then, you know, not only was the bond market doing the work for the Fed, but the stock market up until July, August was also doing the wealth effect. And as I constantly point out on this podcast, it's the top 25 percentile of households in the United States that are responsible for the vast majority of discretionary spending, the vast dis- the travel, so on and so forth. So it all makes sense. Where the, the trap door, I think, has been is when, you know, when the inflation card was, was not coming down. And remember that shelter in all of its magnitudes is 42% of the freaking CPE, right? Yeah. And we knew last uh, October and November was the peak of when we had, you know, eight, nine percent year over year inflation from the year before, because, you know, people need some place to live and nothing. Nobody was selling anything and all, all the stuff we all know now. So so we're getting the reduction that, that just the math says. And we got the three best days in the market for a while because the narrative, Todd, and that's the you know, that's the driving force, I think. Most individual investors don't understand. When you get all this stuff thrown at you all day long, as I do and Barb does, et cetera, you've got to come up with a narrative that fits all those pieces together that you can invest in. And yeah. again, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, we were very, uh, very strong on the micro sectors of the of the economy. So liquefied petroleum gas, Barb, it's my favorite sector. Uh, six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, we're up 400% on LPG tankers for crying out loud. But guess what? Now we have the Panama Canal blocked because the water's so low. They have to go another 2,000 nautical miles to deliver. And one of our LPG I've talked about on the show a lot uh, just came out today, raised, raised, they raised their dividend, stocks up 75% There's in just, just this year. There are pieces of the world that have inflections of growth that have nothing to do with Jerome Powell. And that's what we focused on. And we're stock pickers and Barb's stock pickers. Well, hey, real quick, Toby, do you think the Fed has finished tightening? The Fed has absolutely finished tightening. And, and the reason is, is that it, the, the only thing that counts to them is not the CPI, but the CPE, the core, the core uh, equity, excuse me, uh, inflation number. And it has peaked and the stock market did the work. And now the stock market is building a bottom. The, the interest rates that, that they are charging <laughs> have nothing to do with the interest rates that are outside the world in the real bond market. And so w- when we didn't keep above 5%, when the bond vigilantes, as our dear friend uh, says, uh, you know, didn't stop uh, buying bonds. That, yeah. that told me the narrative is enough is enough. The Fed is done. And the Fed basically is doing the victory lap, as Barb said. Uh, they said, you know, hey, we're going to get a soft landing. Whatever the hell that means, Barb. I mean, I've heard that yeah. 5,000 times. I know. Well, you know, today, you know, uh, it was funny because uh, Jerome was asked, you know, do you think, do you see a recession? You've talked about it before. And he didn't want to answer it, which was interesting, I think, because he's really trying to keep his options open, even though he's like, a you know, a cat licking its whiskers, you know, yeah, right. okay, we're in good shape. And basically, he had to say, no, we don't see a recession. 
And I, I mean, I've heard, you know, pundits on the news talking about, oh, we're going to be in recession by year end, which is only two months away. And it's just not possible. You know, you don't have a recession with this kind of job growth and this right. kind of wages. So I think, you know, the economy is in, in great shape. And basically that's, and, and but it is softening in ways that we need to, you know, and inflation, yeah, and- as you said, Tobin, that PCE number is key. And, yeah. you know, it's sort of stalled out a little bit. But if you look at the trend, it's just it's coming down. So yeah, I, yeah. I will say that I will say that there's a very notable people who I won't note that <laughs> have been so dead wrong about a recession. It just it changes every quarter. No, it's, it's the recession is the, the second quarter. No, it's the third. Uh, did I say third quarter? And, and 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 you know, as Todd wants to shake his head and kill himself when I'm about to say this, if you actually do the mathematics on what goes into a, an economy with a 76% service industry and 25% of the households providing almost 80% of discretionary funding, and 96 million people who have some form of monthly income coming in from Social Security or, or pension, so on and so forth, plus, plus, plus. And we had another note uh, last week, which I loved from um, uh, Ms. Iska, was that, oh, yeah, and in the 30-somethings and the 25-somethings, they all have side gigs. <laughs> you know, they all, they all are doing side gigs for income. And I, I just saw a report that almost 20% of the income on a household from 25 to 35-year-olds is from some side gig. Mm, all that yeah. stuff never was around the 800 years ago that these people are calling for the recession are using data from. And, you know, we have different business models. We have yeah. business models well, that are subscription-based. Yeah. We know what I think has confounded people is that, you know, you really, you, you everybody on the uh, street is always, well, you can't say it's different this time because it always works out the same way. Bullshit, you can. It is. And it has it been is. different. We never had a shutdown where you suddenly just stopped everything yeah. dead. And I think, you know, initially, as you remember, the Fed was talking about um, it was inflation was just uh Temporarily transitory, high. transitory. Yeah, transitory was the word exactly, and it's really because they expected the supply demand to get much it, it back in balance much more quickly, and it's obviously not been. But you know that was another thing Powell said today that was very interesting. You know he talked about you know we don't think wages are necessarily the main cause of inflation, and he was really talking about the supply issues and demand that are still all they're still being yeah. straightened out from the pandemic. So you know I thought what? that was yeah. I just it's just very convenient right now for him to just say, okay, we're fine, but we'll leave it out there in case we have to. I mean, you have three straight months of of equity uh, markets where you have four four hundred one ks that are down with ten percent. The S and P five hundred was down from its peak ten percent going into this week. And you have also this job market. There's so many other variables right now. I am of the belief that they are not finished tightening. And here's why. It's a long road to go from 35 to 2%. And he has said, we're going to hit that 2% mark. It might be a higher for longer, but then that's going to push us well into 2025 because I just don't see the economics, the metrics that are going to prove to us that all of next year, yeah, we're going to continue to see the softening. You have job growth, which has just been phenomenal. And then you also have the the, uh, retail sales number. People are still spending money because they have these jobs. So, well, I mean, what do you guys think? Todd, I mean, Todd, is, well, Todd, if you, you didn't live in Washington, D.C. for 25 years. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but there's a presidential election this year. I think and I read you know that what? in New Yorker. Jay Powell, <laughs> or we just call him Jay, uh, uh, knows better than anyone because it, there's never been a better brown noser than Jay Powell uh, <laughs> that that 
you do the Fed does not fuck with the presidential cycle. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. is a sacrosanct right. rule in Washington. And so they are done, and they're not going to rise in that because A, he likes his job. B, he doesn't want to go down as a guy who got fired uh, because you know he messed up the economy. And then the third part of it is GDP, uh, when you go into earnings and you're getting the take-home pay, people are so crazy about this high you know, default rate on auto loans. Well, holy mackerel, these were people who make $50,000 a year going out to their Ford dealer to get a brand new $85,000 Ford 150. You know, you can't yeah. hire enough <laughs> repo men today in the United States, but you can't extrapolate that little tiny data point over the entire freaking economy. Okay. All right. And then the final point is I say it again all the time, but the yeah. top 80 counties in the United States account now for 81% of GDP. The other counties really don't count. If you keep, as we do, the GDP of the top 80 counties, you will see that they're much stronger than the overall counties, but okay. they count on an eight to one basis. So who cares about the okay. other counties? Well, you know, Todd, well, you, what, Todd, what were you going to say there? Because well, I was, no, was going to yeah. go right to you, but you, you oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Just... I was going to say about consumer spending. I mean, because, you know, Tobin made the point, you know, three quarters or two thirds, whatever it is of the economy is services. Consumer right. is king, right? But consumer spending, when you look at it, you know, even though, I mean, I look at the, I don't know if you look at Bank of America Institute, they have like 68 million yeah. accounts, small business, and, and they, they do great work. And you're looking at, they still see excess savings, you know, that are higher than pre-pandemic, right? They're coming down, but they're still there. And you look at the savings rate, which is coming down, that number was out today, right? And you see consumer spending, we've obviously seen a pullback in durables, you're getting much more information about the lower income consumer is getting more stressed. And we know the lower yes. income consumer spends most of their money on rent and food and transportation. You know, so the consumer is pulling their horns in a little at a time. In fact, we will know soon, you know, at the end of uh, this month, we've got the big Prime Day or Thanksgiving shopping. So we'll have a little bit more, you know, understanding. But I think the consumer is definitely slowing down, but it's not dropping off a cliff. That yeah, I Barb, Barb, the consumer is not an amalgam of all the consumers. No, you're right. When you're the making top 25%, yep. 81% of discretionary spending, I, I follow them. I don't follow yeah. the the bottom, you know, th three quintiles, right? Simply because from a mathematical standpoint, they really don't count at the margin, as we learned, you know, back in you know economics 101. At the margin, it's the discretionary spend. The other side of it is is actual wages. Remember, uh, Wall Street, uh, you know, was like, oh my God, all these tech guys hired all these, you know, what 350,000 people during the pandemic, et cetera. And you know what their average uh, salary was is $256,000 a year plus plus. When you added those people in, what I was most worried about is not that they fired 100,000 of them, that that was going to take over the overall, you know, earnings, but the the the, the top 25% income earners, wage earners, commission people, you know, etc., they are the they are the heart and soul of the discretionary spending and I don't care whether F150s are being uh repoed because the guy can't afford, do you remember to see the number recently where the average monthly payment was almost $1,400 for a freaking car mm -hmm. or truck mm -hmm. in a household that, that is making $50,000, you know, for four tax? Yeah. It, and that's see what the credit card from. balances, I think it's some incredible number, like over 40% of people don't pay them off each month. That's 20, and they're now at 20%, 21%. interest. Yeah. So and they're, they're, they're locked out. They're locked yeah, out of spending, but their spending you. doesn't count on a on a matrix yeah. basis of, of of you know the whole thing. Yeah. Now, Tom, I know I get these I get these emails yeah. and emails, and I'm prejudiced against 
low-income people or whatever. No, I'm not. I just do the math to have to make a judgment for my wealth yeah. management clients as to what's really going on. And don't fall for this, you know, claptrap on either both sides of the aisle about, you know, how world's going to have no, it's problems. True. I think there's an impact on the margin, you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, on the margin, we, but not at the yeah, margin. Yeah. And people, as you right. said, mentioned the wealth effect. So anyway, and one thing that did, wasn't asked um, a pal today, or maybe I missed it, but was really, you know, everybody's talking a lot about the funding costs, you know, with our deficit, how much that's going to cost us in interest payments. And that's clearly yeah. it, the higher the rates are. So that's not Powell's mission. It's supposed to be about yeah. jobs and inflation, but that has to be somewhere in their conversations. You know, and I think that ties into Tobin, your point about it being a presidential election year. I mean, this, the deficit and all that's got to somehow, you got to get those payments down. That's true. I'll just add, add two quick things in. Yeah. Uh, 48% of homes in the United States are owned for cash, so they don't pay a mortgage. The other 36% of the next houses are at rates below 4%. I mean, yeah, mortgage, mortgage rates are high, but again, it only applies to a, a strata up here. And you can't qualify for a freaking mortgage, uh, you know, if you have a $50,000 or $60,000, you know, income. So we're insulated in many ways that I don't think the market has really no, thought. No, you're right. And Tobin, another thing that people don't talk about is because of those low um, mortgage rates and the fact that, you know, on that cash, I didn't know it was so high that people paid cash, but that frees up more disposable income, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so, yep, and that's yeah. really a powerful, powerful thing. You've just that's got right. more money to spend on a monthly basis. I just yeah. look at my B of A statement, you know, for the joint account my wife and I have, and I look at the stuff that we spend money on. You know, wine is a is a health food, okay? Um, uh, job, right? Traveling to Malibu last week, that was, mental, that was a mental health day. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I live in this little cocoon of Scottsdale. I don't know where you live, but when you go through the upper 25% income households in America, things are really good. Uh, and yeah, their their market's down a little bit, but oh my gosh, um, 5% for no risk money. Uh, we just bought a bunch of, of, of uh, we think very high rated um, high yield bonds for 12.5% yield. And when rates finally come down, Todd, we haven't mentioned the fact that we've had yeah. two years of bear market for the bond market. I mean, if well, you're a we should plan Last year was out. a disaster. Everything yeah. was correlated last year, stocks and bonds. It was not a place to hide. And bond funds this year have lost money as well. Absolutely. So right. it's, uh, you know, bonds, people think, oh, it can be a substitute. I mean, I don't know what you think, but to me, bonds are complementary. Yeah. They, you know, yeah. are, yes, they're an adjunct to stocks. You're still trying to build long-term wealth at stocks. And right. you well, we got to go, Todd. You tease it out, Toby. I want to hear Barb talk about uh, another uh, I believe issue that's important to investors right now is is that we've had 40 years of declining interest rates, 40 years of, of, of uh, up and then down declining inflation. That epic, that era is in my mind over. And if you're investing the way that you did during the Tina era and the no cost of money and then the zero cost of money, then the negative cost yeah, of money, yeah. if you're investing that same exactly. way, then you're a bonehead because there are huge dividends. Now, remember, dividends always made up 30% yeah. of the return of the S&P 500. Now it's the beautiful line. Toby, I tell you, you're going to have the audience on the edge of their seats because coming up after the break, Damn it. we're going to ask Barbara the same question. We'll probably just summarize it a little bit and get a little bit shorter. <laughs> but we'll be right back. But we with us today, Barbara Durant. She is the CEO and CIO of BD8 Capital Partners. And lead guitarist for Duran Duran, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 
thing too. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, listen, coming up after the break, we'll be right up. We'll get to get to all this. We'll be right back. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast on any given day in Washington, policy proposals are created, debated, and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes. On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one? Hey, this is Jeff Hurst, Editor-in-Chief of the Stock Traders Almanac. you got to listen to Todd and Toby on Buy, Hold, Sell. Welcome back to Buy, Hold, Sell. Well, today is Fed Day, Fed Decision Day, but there was no decision out there. But stocks still rallied, and this is our third straight day seeing uh, seeing the markets rallying, and everything's up uh, across the board, all major indices, and we are obviously in the middle of tech season as well. With us today is Barbara Duran. She is the CEO and CIO of BD8 Capital Partners. You could go to our website at bd8cap.com. We encourage the audience to go there. And when we left off in the last break, Barbara, we were talking about you know all the all the different variables that are out there. Some other um, opportunities for for investors. What are some of the? Uh, because Toby brought up a he teased the um, to going into this block. But what do you think? I mean, going into uh, for the rest of the year. I mean, what should investors? Because investors clearly want to know what should we be doing going sectors, into twenty four sectors, stocks, stocks yeah. versus bonds. What's the strategy here, Barb? Yeah, well, I also think you have to look at where we are in the market. And Todd, as you pointed out earlier, it's been a three months of a correction. Official correction is 10%. We're there. And the question is, do we go lower? I think after the Fed today and sort of this benign, non-threatening pal, um, I think we're probably fine. And we're setting up, you know, November and December are seasonally strong, you know, in the stock market. October is not, and boy, did it live up to its historical reputation. And so if you look now where a lot of stocks, and it depends on the sector, but a lot of stocks are, are off their highs 
You've got the tech sector, for instance, which I'll talk about in a second, because that's an area that I really like. But if you look, sentiment's been very negative. Um, technically, the market looks very oversold. Oh, so I think God. you've got a lot of uh, bad news uh, baked into the market at this point. And I think the risk reward in terms of downside is probably limited. So it's probably a very good time to start picking some stocks or adding to put your portfolio. So Barb, <laughs> I um, I go back to like the early 80s and um, uh, I, I, I'm taking the Wall Street Journal the 1880s. every day. <laughs> no, I'm not in my 80s. Uh, I have kept the 52 week new highs and new lows. I've kept them in a drawer. I, I actually, my wife Come made on. me clean up the ones from like the 80s and 90s, but, oh. but Whenever I have this on a, I have this on a, you know, on a spreadsheet, whenever we get to the point as we were last week, where we had 110 new lows for every one new high, it has been a bottom in 88 and 92 in 2002, you know, I mean, in 2009, 2010, it's just, there are some like, you know, mentality here. Everyone who had to sell has sold. Everyone who's crapped the bed has sold. And then you get into, when I ran mutual funds, you know, October 31 is a year in. And so you want to, you know, this, you want to sell this, the crappy stuff, take those tax losses, take some profits. So you watch them so your mutual fund shareholders don't get capital gains. All that happens in the washing machine, boom. And now we get to November 1st and the Fed calls off the dogs. The CPI and CPE is on the right slope. He, Powell's never, Jay Powell is never going to say, oh, you know what? Because we have so much higher costs in the world today because of de-industrializations and de-China and de-globalization and reshoring and all this stuff, we're going to take uh, the price inflation rate to two and a half percent because that would be what would be actual, would be a normal rate given what we've, uh, no, he'll never do that. But we keep going uh, down in rate, if we keep going that rate, and tech stocks, you remember we had seven tech stocks that were almost all the, you know, the, the alpha, the outperformance. Without them, we have zero market gain the entire year. So now it's time to be a stock picker, and I want to hear what Barb's picking. Yeah, no, well, Tobin, you're right about it. I wanted to follow on the mutual fund selling, which you know very well. And if you look at over half the S&P was down, those names in there was yeah. down. And so there were so many tax loss, you know, candidates. And again, if you wanted to lock in some gains because things have run up, you know, that was the time to do it. You know, mega cap tech has been talked to death endlessly. It's not exactly undiscovered, you know, but the fact is they have incredible visibility of earnings growth. And, you know, and depending on the name, there's the AI phenomena Israel does not a one or two quarter thing. You look at NVIDIA, for instance, NVIDIA was up today. I don't know where it closed. But, you know, it was got to almost 500 after it reported those two incredible quarters of just, you know, doubling their sales and projections going forward. Like even the China that we they may not be able to ship to China some uh, types of their chips in the short term and then in the medium term. So what? They've got so much demand they can't meet it. But that stock has come off from 500 to yeah. almost to 400. Yeah. And I'm sorry, their growth rate, you know, or you look at the P.E. got down to like a 32 times when it was 50 times before they reported these blockbuster earnings. So those are the kind of things that you can just wait, you know, and if you, even if you own it already, which I do, it's a core yeah. position on my portfolios, you just wait out the volatility. But if you don't own it, you can buy it now. Yeah, I would, I, I, yeah I would say, for instance, so we have an AI, uh, you know, 2025 portfolio, we, we call it, which are the, you know, the picks and shovels, right? So one of the ones that we just did ridiculously well on, because we we're ridiculously lucky to own it was SMCI. SMCI is like the, uh, it's like the uh, Peterbilt truck, of the uh, 
data centers, right? So they're the biggest buyer of NVIDIA chips. Um, it was down at 160 bucks uh, and when we started buying it. And I think a lot of people, I, I, I'm very hooked into to the AI world. And when I saw the demonstration of, of ChatGPTI in November, it blew me away. And then you sort of like go down the scale and figure out, well, who's got who, who wins? It was NVIDIA, it was SMCI, it was many other semiconductors, but certainly Arista Networks, ANET, we just announced today. That's our third largest position. NVIDIA is our second. You can't, non but you can't chase. And that's the thing you learn for Dota, and I've learned as long as doing this, is that when the FOMO thing hits and we get a mania like we got with the NVIDIA numbers, then you just saw all these small, we track these small orders and the large orders. And starting about June 15th, all the orders, there were more small orders than there were big orders. And that means the FOMO, dude, dude, I got to buy this. Yeah, yeah. And and we got to crush them. I'm in a mood today, Todd. But you got to crush <laughs> these people so that they'll understand so that, that now you can buy NVIDIA at 400 bucks. That, you know, SMCI went to... 450, we bought it at 150. I made all our subscribers and I told all of our investors, we are selling this. You know why? Because if you make 250 bucks on a stock in three months, if you don't take that profit, you are the stupidest human being on the planet. And I'm not going to allow you to do that. But the froth has come down. Yeah, and yeah. now we're seeing these orders of magnitude improvements. And um, it just at home, don't chase. And if something takes out that way, the stock market has returned, depending on how you do the math, 7 or 9% a year, right, for since 59. If you get 50 years of, of gains in one position in three months, yeah. you must yeah, sell. You have to take uh, some profits. You, you absolutely do. Yeah, no question. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Then you, otherwise, <laughs> then you're a sad sack, remorseful, oh, come on, I didn't sell it. You know, it all came back. Well, yeah. you know, if you're going to be your do-it-yourself investor, you got to do it yourself, brother. And well, sister. well, you are right. You are right about the the this quarter actually going back. It's actually historically the best quarter in a pre-election year. Um, if you're going to be long, this is the time to do it. Barb, what do you think? I mean, should I mean you brought up consumer spending? I mean, is the retail sector something to focus on? I mean, oil and gas. I mean, oil is, is done tech well, girl. Well, no, and consumer discretionary. I'm, I'm growth. You know, I'm not big on cyclical because you really got to get the timing right. Yeah. It's only when things okay. are maybe so oversold. Like right now, if you look at where, you know, utilities, utilities are crushed. They're a two-year low. Right. Well, real estate, two-year low. You know, mm -hmm. it's things like that we can go, okay, well, that's where, all right, what's the risk reward? Maybe you have to wait, wait a while because those things obviously do only do well at certain points in the cycle. But, you know, and real estate, obviously you have to do it by uh, by sector, you know, yeah. office, office yeah. uh, buildings, we'll see, you know. Mm -hmm. But okay. um, no, consumer discretion, I, you know, love Costco, Walmart, those are core holdings. You know, Walmart has really, it's no, it's stopped being a while ago, a sleepy old retailer. Yeah. You know, it's number one in the world in terms of sales and yeah. got, you know, the Omni channel, you know, they continue to have all these growth initiatives and they're, they're just killing it. And that's one you just buy and hold. You yeah. Know, so, and the same with Costco, you know, and they have their little dips and ups and downs and they're not invulnerable to macro um, forces, but they're pretty recession resistant. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I was at Costco on Sunday and I didn't see many broken down cars in that uh, 
parking lot, okay? <laughs> and I, I, saw, I saw old older couples walking out with two carts full of stuff, you know, like they're feeding, uh, you know, a family of a hundred. Uh, and um, no, I'm with you. I, I'm with you on that. I, th- that growth to me is a little slower than I, than I like. Um, I'll tell you one though, you know, the, the GLP-1 uh, inhibitors um, just all of a sudden crushed any of the technology companies that deal with insulin resistance or like, but Dexcom, we just bought this, um, yes, I guess Monday. What oh, day that got killed time? recently it because got of the crushed. obesity drugs. And I actually, I was I discussed it with a friend who owns it. And I thought it really, the risk reward was amazing. What was the Absolutely. downside? And this on again. Uh, is Todd again, she agrees she's with genius. Me. She's a, she's brilliant. No, but I mean, look at look at Dexcom uh, again. I, I'm just a slave to freaking mathematics. They get reimbursed by Medicare, Medicaid, by Medicare Advantage, etc. You go to your doctor, you have a, a high A1C. Boom, they pay for it. They pay for everything. You know why? Because if you on the Dexcom and you get an alert on your phone saying, "Hey, dude, maybe you want to not eat the 25 pieces of candy you just did because your A1C is now enough to kill." a freaking elephant, it changes their behavior and all their risk patterns go down. The thing pays for itself. So when it went down almost 35%, like in three days, because everybody in the United States is going to be who's uh, uh, either type one or type two diabetes is going to be on, you know, vitamin O, Ozempic. Come on, man. Yeah. And I love, I love like bizarre anomalies, Barb, you know, that happen. No, exactly. And you just have to be waiting there like a vulture because you do get these dislocations. You know, it's ultimately an efficient market. But there's many inefficiencies along the way. Ooh, I'm curious, Tobin. You should you... write that down. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm wondering if um, if you've looked at Starbucks, which reports tomorrow morning. You know that to me is you know I own it. Um, oh. It hasn't done well in the last six months or so, but I think they are really doing a lot of good things in terms of product innovation. You know, making that you know ordering ahead of time. You know, yep. I don't know, but I do not like to wait ten minutes to get a cup of coffee made. And um, and also their big China play. You know, in China, so China fear. is That's... an affordable. It's an affordable luxury. luxury yeah. yeah, my my fear in that was that that remember. They're, 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 they were trying to have 560 something uh, stores and they were opening uh, like four stores a week type thing to yeah. get there. Uh, yeah. And uh, when I was in China recently, you could see there were so many vacant stores in these overbuilt shopping centers that nobody's going to, et cetera, et cetera. That if I just felt like the growth store was getting gutted by that. And, and the fact that remember in China, you know, the way to wealth for the last 25 years, because yeah. you're not going to lose my point about the, ch- the world has changed, Todd. The w- way to wealth over the 25 years is you and your wife get together, you buy a condominium for cash, 78 or 79% of, of condominiums, apartments in, in China are paid for in cash. Nobody has a mortgage. People have the mortgages as the developers, right? So the government, you know, gave you free money, et cetera. Everybody got these place. Things are great. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, the world changed. And now, when, I mean, I'm going to be in China like three weeks. It's going to, it, it, I just to look at the horror show. Uh, so their economy was based totally on buying all this steel and cement and building these, uh, every apartment. If you get lost and you're drunk coming home, come pie from a drinking night. Good luck finding your apartment building among the other 25 that are exactly identical. So I'm not as big on on Starbucks. I will say, though, at Costco, I just picked up the egg bites from Starbucks. The egg white bites. You could buy the Starbucks egg bites at Costco. Do you think they're good? I love them. They're good at Starbucks. Have you ever had the egg bites at Starbucks? What are they? Yeah. 
Is it it's, it's egg a little, bites? Egg whites? Yeah, it's, it's egg bites. It's egg white, white. roasted red peppers in them. They're act, they actually are yeah, very good. Like, little, is it like a deviled bites? egg? I love deviled yeah. eggs. No, it's like, no, it's, no. like <laughs> it's like a egg that was mixed up, and then you put it in a microwave, and now it grows up, and it's like this big. Um, and it's, they have wow pepperoni and bacon. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I would go to Costco and buy a thousand of them, though. But you know, that's Toby. It's you know, that's what no, he no, likes. That's not high roll, yeah. but I'll just say that I have one hundred twenty-six dollars of, of points at Starbucks. Okay, excellent. So I, excellent. I can make the entire year, and I'm never going to pay for a drink. Of course, you know, it costs fifteen hundred bucks to get that, but still. Um, <laughs> but here's my point, Bob. Yeah. What I'm trying to get is I I I think because of the last forty years, particularly the last twenty years, and let's not forget that maybe $7 trillion of cash money monetary stimulus went into the United States uh, monetary system. And it hasn't been taken out. I mean, that's the other big thing that I think people are missing is that, well, where the hell did it go? Dude, it went to the banks who then lent it out or lent it to businesses. Yeah, and it's they're still six, there. And it's six and a half trillion sitting in money market funds, money earning market. five plus percent, which is actually, depending how things evolve, that's a lot of fuel to put into stocks when the moment comes. I mean, no, that is huge. Right. So I guess my just a quick point, yeah. Todd, I'll end it though. But my, okay, my, yeah. my, my theory is, is, is that if a person is investing the same way that worked like clockwork for 40 years, 30 years, and the last, certainly the last 12 years, then they're crazy because they're making the assumption that all of those stimulative factors, macroeconomic, China coming into the market, you know, of 1.2 billion Indians coming, you know, all that is happened already. And because of deglobalization, that your return on your portfolio is not going to be 95% no dividend stocks and 5% a stock that pays a dividend, but you don't care. My feeling is that dividends are going to come back and be that 30%, 35% of return. And there's some incredible high paying dividends that that we have. Again, like the you know like shippers like LPG shippers uh, some of these um, uranium royalty trusts they said that are, we're paying getting 20 25 percent dividends the stocks are going up in value they don't go down when they pay a dividend I mean I, I've never seen that. well I've never yeah, seen it before like yeah that. Tobin I think you know if you've got a stock that also has capital appreciation I had a client you know ask me well what about buying whatever and I looked at the growth rate in this company I looked where it was this year to date I said well if you had bought this January one okay you might have gotten five percent in dividends but you'd be overall yeah. down twenty percent so you cannot just look at dividends and people just think oh I want income but meanwhile if your whole portfolio is losing value so it's a good point but you really ha- it's like the dividend aristocrats you know it's really where the company that are have high dividends but are also growing because yeah. you don't want to lose money by just buying the stock. So well, again, I mean, you know, the weirdest thing I've ever seen. You know, in the playbook, right back in the old playbook. Okay, let me see. Interest rates are being raised by the Fed, so and, and we're looking towards a, a recession. So let's go to the safety trade. Let's buy utilities. Yeah. I have never seen two years where you. T- I mean, freaking Florida Light and Power is down forty eight percent. You know, and that was Eel. the safe Power money. And yeah. if, if a financial advisor didn't tell them to get the F out of that because the world had changed, then that person fire them because that that is just that's inconceivable. Um, yeah. Do your lows in the utility sector right now. And people think of utilities so safe. So, no, I agree. Although, you know, it'll be interesting to see you know, once the uh, inflation, I do believe, will come down. I think it's going to just continue to serve like air coming slowly out of a tire. It will come uh-huh. down. And when it does, because you look at, remember, it was like over 10 years, the Fed could not reach a 2% target, you know, and there was, you know, the agreement. Well, we had a world of disinflation. Well, it was disinflation. It was, a lot of it was technology, um, yep. you know, 
productivity. It was globalization, which, by the way, I don't think globalization is, is over. I mean, we're onshoring stuff, but it's really on the margin. You know, there's still a lot of companies. I mean, you still have to report good earnings to your shareholders. So it's just where, where they can. They're switching countries, but it's a process. Look at Apple. I mean, they are so invested in China, yeah. you know. And so I think that's, you know, globalization, I think, is still very much alive. But over time, you know, being more aware of the geopolitical risks and also what happened in COVID, where you couldn't get supplies, you know, for certain yeah. things, some pharmaceuticals. So I think, yes, over time, but I think it's going to take a long time. And so I think once we've sorted out post-pandemic, you know, there's no reason why, like particularly with AI, it should mean a lot more productivity and getting back to that. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. We could return to that environment. But for now, we're not. And it yeah, looks okay. like another year, by the way, by the way maybe we two own, years. Yeah, we own uh, two Mexican logistics uh, companies um, huh. that that are ridiculous, you know, 9% uh, dividend. But because of the dollar, um, you know, they're, they're, they're because Mexican, Mexican dollars, pesos is the only thing that's, that's you know, going down in value faster than the United States dollars going up. And um, I totally with you. I mean, Mexico in the Macledores and the whole, I mean, you could go down to the border uh, one day and see if the thousand, 2000 trucks, I think it's 5000 trucks a day that go through there, um, they are cutting the cost and you're going to see uh, more of that. And then logistics. I, I didn't realize that logistics, the United States is 9% of our GDP. In, in Europe, it's almost 11% of GDP. In Mexico, logistics is like 18% of their GDP and it's mostly going out, not coming yeah. in. No, and it's an interesting point about, you know, using Mexico or more South American, Latin American countries, because it solves a lot of issues. You know, one, they're friendlier countries. Two, yeah. we help them, you know, and get more jobs so they stop coming, you know, here for a better life. I mean, you look at our immigration patterns over time. We had the Irish and the great, you know, potato famine. Sure, the garden, we did. Coming. The Chinese coming, too. but they don't need to come anymore because their yeah. own countries you know, are more or less thriving. They're, you know, modern economies. Yeah. All, right. All right. Well, I, I didn't get out of what I wanted to hear from her, Todd. That, <laughs> wow, she uh, said it all. I we're, think living, back. <laughs> we're living in a new era of investing. But listen, I, you know, I've written three books on growth investing, so I'm pretty much a growth investor. Yeah, yeah. But I, I will tell you that to get BWLPG, the Panama Canal, the water is low. It's low because it doesn't rain in Panama anymore. And, you know, shockingly, they don't use seawater. They use fresh water. So now they have to make a 2,000 extra mile trip. The rates on LPG tankers have gone from 35000 per day to $95,000 as of yesterday per wow. day. And they're going 2,000 more miles. Yeah. And in the old days, you know, uh, Barb, the, the ship, all the ship guys were all old guys. And every time they got a little money jingling in their pocket, they went and bought more boats. You know, that was just because they went to the Greek ship owners club and say, yo, look at me. I have 55 more boats, right? So they always screwed themselves. Now the sons and daughters are in charge of those companies. And they're mm -hmm. saying dividends. Yeah. Why, you know, opportunistically, but mostly, you know, so I'm telling you, man. Okay. LPG. Well, and you're seeing a lot in the oil and gas companies, you know, in the U.S. who just, you know, they were always doing these projects. None of them were profitable. And finally, yeah. the last few years, they said, look, we got to do a better job for our shareholders. And we're yeah. turning yeah. more capital. Drill Baby Drill is is now pay dividends and buy stock back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, may not right. be good for 
All there right. you go. That was awesome. Well, listen, I, I think we said it all today, guys. Only thing we didn't cover was the jobs report, but we'll get into that another time. We know the jobs report is going to be fine for kind of 189,000 is the consensus. Likely will beat. I think there was only one time in the last two years that we actually uh, disappointed. So we should be, uh, especially after 336,000 yeah. last month. So I don't two jobs I don't for every one job. person wanting to work, two jobs for everyone. What? It's going to go down? Come on, Tom. Yeah. It's All right, slowly, the it. balance is slowly it's coming slowly in. slowly coming to balance. That's the thing. It's ideal. It's slowly. It's not going to be this sudden cliff. But we keep an eye on those initial jobless claims. And, you know, we're looking yeah. for any signs of trouble there. And so far, no no canary in the coal Nothing mine. There. Nothing there. Nothing there. We will see that report tomorrow at 830 New York time, 830 a.m. So uh, so you definitely want to check uh, check out your, your local it's news. Five, for that it's 530 for me, Todd. So just, just send me a text, would you? You got it. I'll wake you up. You got it. You got it. So Barbara Duran, you are the CEO and CIO of BD8 Capital Partners. We invite the audience to go to bd8cap.com. We'll also have a link in the description of the show for you to go uh, directly to it. Definitely. I uh, want to see, see what Barbara has to say there. So Barbara, thank you so much for joining us today. I can't thank you enough. We would love to have you back on uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, Tobin, thank you very much. It was a great pleasure. Great. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. So on behalf of Barbara Duran and Tobin Smith, I am Todd Schoenberger. Thank you once again for joining us today on Buy, Hold, Sell. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Buy, Hold, Sell brought to you by Crosscheck Management. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.